Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. You know what he would do. If you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and knock that out while you're here. All right, Deadleg, two things I want to talk with you about today. Uh, one of them is obviously a big headline from earlier in the week. Amani Bates arrested, charged with two felonies. We'll get to that. But the first thing I wanted to touch on is a report from The Athletic that said the NBA and the NBA Players Association are expected to agree to move the age eligibility for the NBA draft from 19 down to 18, which would basically get rid of the so-called one-and-done rule. And now Woj subsequently tweeted, uh, not, not so fast, we're not there yet, right. but it could get done, but we're not there yet. So, you know, who knows? But at this point, there does be, seem to be some momentum that this will eventually go away, perhaps in time for the 2024 NBA draft. So for the sake of a September conversation, Mm -hmm. let's say that it actually does go away, the one-and-done rule, and high school players are allowed to enter the NBA draft as they once were. Uh, I I think you and I agree on this. Not a great thing for college basketball. Also not a devastating thing for college basketball. It'll be fine. We'll miss out on some of the best talents. But the sport, you know, somebody will fill those uniforms up. The sport will be fine, just like it was fine from 1995 through 2005. Um, you know, yeah. and, and, but but it's not it's it's not great to miss out on what would be, you know, the next Kevin Durant, the next Lonzo Ball, the next Derrick Rose, so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm when we put a bow on this conversation a couple of minutes. I do just want to loop a rack around to what Woj was reporting because I do think that's relevant for our listeners. So we'll touch on the logistics of if and when this is going to happen because I also think that's that is important. But uh, for the purposes of talking about this in terms of it being an inevitability and let's just say hypothetically it becomes reality in 2024 uh, if that were 
to be the case, this would have to be ratified through discussions in the CBA. I think by December. Uh, yeah, it would not be it would not be good for college basketball. Would it be the end of the sport? No. Uh, if and when this comes to pass, will will there be drive by commentators that will say, you know, this is yet another, this is you know the the fourth nail in college basketball's coffin? They will say that they will be incorrect. The sport will be just fine. Um, it is followed by millions and millions of people, uh, be it alumni or sidewalk alumni. That's not going to change. There always have to be leading scores. There always have to be final four teams, national champions. Players will still get drafted out of college. There will be unexpected one and done players. There'll be, there'll be someone that will go to college out of high school and be the 65th ranked prospect or the 74th ranked prospect or the 37th ranked prospect. Uh, they won't have a path to go right to the NBA, but then they will be amazing in one year of college and change their stock from an undrafted player to someone projected to go in the top 25 or the top 40 picks. And they will be an amazing story when that happens. The sport will have that. But that being said, Kevin Durant, Greg Oden, Eric Gordon, Michael Beasley, Derek Rose, Kevin Love, Drew Holiday, DeMar DeRozan, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Derek Favors, Lance Stevenson, Kyrie Irving, Tobias Harris, Anthony Davis, Austin Rivers, Michael Kigrilkis, Badly Beal, Nerlens Noel, Andrew Wiggins, Julius Randle, Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Carl Anthony Towns, Jaleel Okafor, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, Malik Bunk, Trey Young, DeAndre Aiden, Marvin Badley, Zion Williamson. <sighs> Archie Barrett, Vernon Carey Jr., Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley Jr., Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Chet Holm, Grenan, Paolo Vancaro. It's possible we get none of those. The, the, none of those guys would have come to college if the one-and-done rule didn't not, not force them, never force them, but, but certainly nudged them that direction. That's 48 names. It's an incomplete list, and that's only players since 2006 who were either a top-10 prospect coming out of high school, or if they weren't a top-10 prospect, they either became an All-American or were a high-end lottery pick. You could expand that another 15 to 20 names of notable one-and-done freshmen. You could expand it another 15 to 20 names, Parrish, getting closer to really 80 to 85 names among players who were star freshmen or star into superstar freshmen into sophomores who otherwise would not have come to college, period. And losing those names is undeniably a negative hit. Uh, all those names are listed. I had them at the ready because we have a dribble handoff that published on Tuesday at cbssports.com. I really wanted to get through all 48, but that's that's a big old... I tried to ace and tour it, but it was, it was too big of a list there. You get those names in college basketball, it makes the sport better. You have national players of the year. You have All-Americans. You have national champions. You have national freshmen of the year. You have players who changed the trajectory of their programs and made the sport better. You will never be able to convince me that college basketball was worsened by the NBA's age limit being increased from 18 to 19 years old. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. It's it's just because guys aren't staying three, four years the way they did in the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. Yes, that was a better time for college basketball, but that era could not have been avoided whether the age limit was changed or not. So the sport will be fine. It will survive, but it will be lessened. You know, the wattage will not be as high. We will still have stars, but you and I both well know that there will be players as 16 or 17 year olds that, you know, become top five in their given high school class and who are seen on the recruiting trail. And instead of being recruited by John Calipari or John Shire or Tommy Lloyd or Kenny Payne and just go on Bill Self, go on down the list, instead of being recruited by those coaches and getting college buzz, who is on your list? Where might you go? Getting fan bases engaged in their college decision, it will be fait accompli that those players will now just be saying, I'm going to go to the NBA. Instead, that does have 
uh, certainly an effect on college basketball. Uh, just, you know, there will not be the names heading in that will be as big. Yes, there will still be freshmen. Maybe the, the best ranked freshman will be 12th in the country or 14th in the country. And there'll be some anticipation for that. But it doesn't carry the same amount of cachet that Cade Cunningham, Zion Williamson, Jalen Suggs going to Gonzaga the way that he did when he could have played college football. They had plenty of buzz when he when he entered. You know, Trey Young going to Oklahoma doing what he did at winning peach jam that had plenty, not to mention all the Kentucky and Duke guys, you, you heard the list there. So um, it will be a negative impact if, and when it happens again, I want to get to that part uh, in a second here, but I do think we agree more than we disagree perish on the product of the sport and it being able to survive. But this like kind of undeniably unquestionably uh, removing a certain cachet to college basketball that is clearly bettered by having. I guess if I were trying to be more specific, I would say, yes, it lessens the sport because it takes a lot of talent that would otherwise be here, probably, and it just won't be here. Um, but I don't know that it it makes any tangible difference with the sport, if that makes sense. I believe if you go back and look at the data from 95 to 2005, which is when Kevin Garnett you know, was the first person in a long time to enter the NBA draft out of high school. It's true. Time since the seventies. Was it the seventies? I believe I could look it up. I didn't. I don't know the answer. So just... uh, well, you trivia time. You have no idea. <laughs> I, there. Yeah, listen, I got a tri- it had been a while. It had been a I while. Got, in my mind, it was like Sean Kemp, but didn't Sean Kemp like technically go like Juco for a year or something? Yes. Like that? Yes. yes. Yeah. Sean Kemp definitely did something like he was, he was in college. You were on a roll and I interrupted you. Keep going. It's fine. Um, I think if you look at the data from 95 to 2005, um, the, the television ratings didn't drop off. Um, attendance at games didn't drop off. Clearly, we missed out on, on some of the best talents coming out of high school. They would have been amazing to watch in college. But I don't believe it, it impacted who watched the sport and how many people watched the sport. But we did miss out on some, some high-level guys in that era. Um, I, I, if you left it up to me, I would like to have a rule in place like for the purposes of college basketball, have a rule in place that, that did it, you know, put, put these guys on college campuses at least for a year. Um, but I fundamentally think that's a wrong thing to do. Like I I'm, I'm, I've always been consistent on this. I love having Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson in college, but I don't think they ever should have, had to go to college. And I, I know they weren't forced into college, but uh, it certainly nudged that direction. There's always other options, but college was always the best option if you can't enter the NBA draft. Or at least for most people, it was the best option if you can't enter the NBA draft. So I think it's fundamentally right to let uh, you know high school graduates go, um, even if I do think it comes at the expense on some level of college basketball. What's interesting is that the people who argue against this they highlight these mistakes that were made in that 11 year window of either franchises using first round picks on guys that did nothing um, or guys entering the draft and then not getting picked. And Oh my God, what have they done to their life on that note? I'd say two things. First, I don't have any interest in trying to save high school graduates from making bad decisions or misguided decisions by putting rules in place. That's, all sorts of high school graduates make bad decisions in all walks of life. I don't think we need a rule to protect 
you know, high school graduate basketball players from themselves. Most of them will make us intelligent decision as it pertains to entering the draft or not, just like they did in that 11 year window. Some will make misguided decisions, but like, that's okay. You know, there's going to be 18 year old theater students who make misguided decisions who rather than go to college, decide to move to Hollywood and try to break into the industry. Like it'll work out for some. It won't work out for most. I'm happy to let parents be in charge of guiding their 18 year old high school graduates through the decision-making process. I don't think we need a rule to save people from themselves. Secondly, what I would say is it is often mischaracterized about what that 11-year window was. People are like, you know, they'll focus on one or two guys that were total bumps. But broadly speaking, in that 11-year window from 95 to 2005, do you realize that if your favorite NBA team merely turned in a card every time it was their turn to pick and said, we're taking best high school prospect available. That franchise would have had the best roster in the NBA that would not have even been close. Broadly speaking, when you say use that again, fir- say if, that, if, phrase that again. How did, how did you just phrase that? From 1995 to 2005, that 11 year window, right. when players were entering the draft at a high school, if an NBA franchise, whether you were picking first, third, 17th, just when you, hey, we're not even watching the draft. You just tell us when it's our turn to pick. All right, you're on the clock. We'll take best high school player available, whoever that is. Whoever the whoever 24-7 sports or rivals or scout or anybody, whoever they say is the best high school prospect available right now, we'll take that guy. If you would have just – I did this project one time. I tried to find it last night, could not find it. But it was like basically if you just handed in a card that said best high school prospect available, you would have had the best roster in the NBA – not even close. The truth is if you spent a first round pick on a high school prospect, it wasn't a risk as much as it was the smartest thing you could have done. Check this out. There were 29 players selected in the first round out of high school between 1995 and 2005, 29 players. Eight of them made at least one all-star game. 27.6% of high school players drafted in the first round literally became NBA All-Stars. And there's at least five guys in that group who are guaranteed Hall of Famers. They're either already in or they will be. There's one that's a little iffy. But like there's there's you could reasonably argue of the 29, six became Hall of Famers. Better than one out of every five high school players selected in the first round in that window became Naismith Memorial Hall of Famers or either will. Trivia time. Go. Name me the five Shorebed Hall of Famers and then see if you can identify the one that's kind of on the list, although I think you can make an argument he belongs in. Uh, is the latter Amari Stoudemire? That's right. Okay. McDonald's All-American, Rookie of the Year, six-time NBA All-Star. Now, you might say, I don't know about that. Tim Hardaway just got in as a five-time NBA All-Star. So I think you can make a case for Mars Sotomayor, but that's the iffy one. The other five are guaranteed. They're either already in or they're no doubters. Garnett and Kobe. Right. Is there anyone like in that three-year period, two-year period that I need that I need to know? Or is, are we talking after that? I think there's one more in that range. Okay. Um, uh, straight out of high school. Curveballing me here. Uh, Mars Sotomayor, iffy. Mm-hmm. But probably mm-hmm. these other five, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, KG's in, like 
Kobe's in. Is anyone else in? I think there's one more guy who's already in. In. Um, let me see. Who's gotten in recently? That would apply here. Um, mm-mm-mm. No. I'm thinking GP here. I'm scanning the brain. 96, 97, 98. Who would have been? Give me the team he was drafted to, if you know it. Uh, Magic. Drafted to the Magic. Maybe not. That's uh, the way oh, I remember him. Let me. Drafted to Orlando. Drafted to Orlando. Oh well, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. But he's 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 he's, he's not in that. He's not there. He's one of them, but he's not in the range. I don't think who he's your. Who oh no no no! Not drafted by the Magic. Played with the Magic. Drafted by the Raptors. Thank you. Um, but Dwight's one of the other five, I presume, right? Yes, he's guaranteed. Hold okay. Um Drafted by the Raptors, played with the Magic. Drafted by the Raptors, and we're talking we're talking expansion era Raptors here. Yeah, he's a seven oh, time All Star. McGrady, McGrady, That's the list. It, it's and then you you know. Uh, are we missing one? Yeah, I got I, four, right? I got. Yes. I, I'm missing one, right? You got Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, Kevin Garnett, Dwight Howard, Amari Stoudemire as iffy. Okay, I thought there was one more in there. Gotcha. Well, there is one more. I mean, Jesus Lord. Jesus, was he? Could he? Did he come out in '97? JC, he didn't go to high school. He didn't go to college. You really do not. You can't name the other one. Kobe, KG, RJ Barrett, <laughs> Tracy McGrady, Dwight Howard. We're missing one more. Came out of high school. I'm gonna, I'm gonna know it, but I'm trying to scan <laughs> through here. <laughs> Patrick Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> This is outrageous. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm trying to. I'm. Uh, do I need to know the team, or is it that obvious? My God, I don't even. I, I'm just confused why you're so vexed over this. Like, I'm. I'm thinking through this. Like, what? What are we talking about? <laughs> do you, you need to tell me the team? I shouldn't need to tell you anything. KG, Kobe, Dwight. Amari, Patrick Ewing, R.J. Barrett, Yao Ming. <laughs> I'm thinking here. Oh, LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. Very good. What? You couldn't get the king? It's so obvious. It just doesn't even, doesn't even come to mind. And I was thinking, I'm going through the 90s. Like, I was trying to think, is there somewhere uh, someone else obvious in the 90s that I was missing? So... Apologies. Yes, it, 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 like there's five in that 11 year window. There's five no doubters: Kobe, Tracy, LeBron, KG, Dwight Howard, Amari Stoudemire. I think seeing. So back to the point. Don't ever let somebody tell you it was too risky drafting high school guys. It was the safest, actually the safest thing you could do is spend a first round pick on a high school player. It was the smartest and safest thing you could do. 27.6 percent of them drafted in the first round became NBA All Stars, and if you believe Stoudemire will eventually be in. Uh, 20.7% became Hall of Famers. T-Mac, man. How about that? Uh, okay. I think there's I think there's something to that. I, that. I don't know if that, you know, ensures future success there. I did make a few calls on this. And what's interesting about this entire issue is that it's in talking to the few people I talked to who work in the NBA, 
Um, it feels as though the impetus driving this might be just the NBA saying, should we not afford this luxury again? That's pretty much it. Like the players association, if you do this, there's going to be, you know, a veteran in the seventh year or 10th year or 13th year. That's going to lose a roster spot. There's going to be right. older players. So the players association has actually a lot of impetus not to do this. The NBA wanted to get out of this world to begin with because they didn't want it scouts going to grassroots tournaments and being in high school gyms all the time. Um, the value, the, the GMs don't necessarily love this because they actually like getting the additional year to evaluate the players. You get more data. If you can get that, you, you certainly want to take it there. It's uh, and oh, by the way, like, would it be the right thing to let players do this? Yeah, sure. It's also the NBA is a private organization with a very public face. It has the right to do this. If it wants to say that it doesn't want to have anyone be able to be eligible to play in its league in competition against the greatest people in the world until you hit the age of 19, like I just find nothing wrong with that, by the way. I don't find anything wrong with that, taking that approach. Football obviously does it from a mostly a, a physical development uh, perspective, but you can you can say from a, from a mental and physical approach, if we just want to keep it at 19, now, are, are we going to be there? I don't know, which brings me back to this this other point here. When is this going to happen? Uh, I did have someone tell me earlier today, like, I'll still believe it when I see it because this has been in the air for like four years and it hasn't come to pass. And Woj's reporting, I do think, is quite relevant on this because, you know, going by his report, it's this idea that franchises have traded away picks in the next two, three, four years uh, with the terms of those trades for these picks being that, you know, there wouldn't be high school players available. Now, whether or not that stands up in these discussions, I don't know. But I'll read you the exact wording that Woj put out when he reported this late on Monday night. He said, if one and done has changed, it's expected the starting date would be several years into the future. To me, that does not signal 2024, in part because of commitments already made by teams to trade future draft picks under the current framework of the 19 and over system. Given the reporter involved here, I happen to believe there might be something. That's not to say it can't happen in 24. And maybe they get this done. But um, I, I also am, and see it, I believe it when I see it mode on this. And as many years as college basketball can be afforded to have this 19 and under rule in place, uh, the better I believe it'll be. Somebody else uh, makes a good point in the comments on YouTube, which is a point I, I've, I've, I've referenced before. For the NBA... Um, like, I think it's the right thing to do. Like, I'm, I'm speaking strictly in terms of right and wrong, fair and unfair. I think it's the right thing to allow high school graduates to enter the NBA draft for better or worse. If you don't want to pick them, don't pick them. If they don't get picked, that's on them. I, you know, I, I think it's the right thing to allow the LeBron James type talents to be in the draft if they want to or anybody else if they want to. Some people make bad decisions. That's fine. People in all walks of life make bad decisions. But I do think from the NBA perspective, you could reasonably argue it is better for the association if these guys, rather than enter the draft at a high school, actually go to college because it's – and this is the point somebody made – it's it's free marketing for future NBA stars. Like if Kevin Durant just entered the NBA draft at a high school, he'd have, just, he'd have been the same dude, but he'd just been some skinny – you know, tall guy who's obviously talented, but nobody knows who he is. But after being the national player of the year at Texas, playing on Big Monday every night, he was a star. 
And so when he was drafted, it was a big deal for that franchise. You immediately throw him on billboards, sell tickets. Like Zion was kind of a phenom, even a YouTube phenom before he got to Duke. But he became something altogether different after playing that one year at Duke because he was in a Duke uniform in Cameron Indoor um, on national television. You know, what college basketball does for the NBA is super valuable, not just from the yeah. perspective of giving um, uh, evaluators, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a new thing to evaluate, you know, prospects against older players, uh, you know, going through a 30 plus game season. There's benefit to all of that, as you noted. But the other benefit is that by the time these guys then get to the NBA, they are marketed household names. And that that's, you know, that's good. You know, that that's good for the NBA. No, I don't think there's any question. Last thing. If this happens, is G League Ignite going away? I mean, because at, at this point, someone told me earlier today that they don't know for sure if this is one thing leading to another, but the NCAA and having NIL, okay, this will be NIL will be around for a few years before this comes into effect. But is this the NBA's response to NIL now? And saying, you know, we want to get these players. And I don't know if that's the case or not. It could be coincidental in timing. But if you told me that that was a major factor in the decision making here on both sides of the table, I believe I believe you um, because NIL is obviously it's a way of, of of keeping some players, even if a lot of those players aren't desirable players, you know, bigs, as we've talked about here before. But if you're a, if you're the 15th ranked player in your high school class in 2026, You've got the option between going to G League Ignite and getting eight hundred thousand, going to college. Let's cut it. Let's cut it in half. Even going to let's just whatever college four hundred thousand, but playing for a top ten program, or going in the NBA and chancing being drafted or not. I d- I just don't see where G League Ignite fits in this. And so, um, and uh, listen. They're doing all they can, and they've they've certainly they've had a couple of really good talents in there. But this seems almost like it's going to go back to the way it was if we get to that point where elite prospects are either going to pick going trying to kick it in the NBA right away, or hell, I can get I can get NIL money and I can play on a national stage and be on national television twenty to twenty five times a year because that's really what's happening now. I mean, agents are meeting with players going into their senior years of high school so that they can represent them when they get to college, be their agents if and when they become can become professional. So just, you know, just an, Oh, by the way, an unintended consequence of the NBA making, if it does this, it invested millions upon millions upon millions into G league ignite. I'm not convinced it'll exist by the end of the decade. If we get, if we make this rule change. And I, and I do think name image and likeness, and we'll move on after this, um, could, could play a role in like keeping some of these guys who might could reasonably enter the NBA draft, but decide not to, for instance, let's say you're a projected late first rounder, early second rounder coming out of high school. You know, as, as the fourth ranked player in your high school class, or something like that, seventh ranked, it doesn't matter. But you know, at Kentucky, you can get two million dollars guarantee, or at Duke, you can get three million dollars guarantee. Like, if name, image, and likeness money is really going to go to this extreme, then you might see somebody say, "Well, rather than be risk being the thirty fourth pick, and I'll get a contract, but like rather than deal with that." I'll just take $3 million from Kentucky. I've always wanted to play college basketball at least for a year. I'll take $3 million from Kentucky, then enter the next draft and, and see where we're at. Like, I, I, It's not hard for me to imagine somebody turning down the draft to, to come to college for, for a significant amount of money. And don't ever forget Carmelo Anthony turned down the draft. You know, He was he could have entered out of high school and you know decided to go do one year at, and he at had, Syracuse. 
as you know, GP, I mean, Syracuse, their fr- I want to say their first game or the second game of the year was against Memphis. First, year, MS- first, first game of the year at MSG. I on the call. Carmelo Anthony had tons of hype leading into that. Wound up living up to it. They win a championship or whatever. And so that, you know, that path once carried a lot of value and still, and to many extents, still does. Let's move on. Former five-star prospect Imani Bates has been charged with two felonies. That's obviously, that's not great. We'll get into that story next. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. So former five-star prospect Imani Bates has been charged with two felonies. As the story goes, he was driving about two miles away from campus on Sunday night, got pulled over for a traffic violation, found a gun in the car. Um, It had the serial number scratched off of it. That's not great. Um, Again, charged with two felonies, um, which I, you know, when you first hear about it, I waited. I don't think I ever tweeted about this, but I I waited because I was like, hey, let's people jumped on the initial story. Imani Bates, gun in car, serial number you know, scraped off. And I was like, eh, maybe there's more to the story. His attorney subsequently released a statement that suggests that there is. Um, the attorney said that this was not a Monty Bates car, somebody else's car. He borrowed somebody else's car, got pulled over, and they found the gun that did not belong to Monty Bates. Monty Bates didn't even know it was in the car. I guess my first question, and that's where we're at right now at this moment. That's that's all we know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my first question would be, what what prompts the police to search the car? Like they can't search my car, right? You know, like I I, I I've had my car searched one time ever. I've been pulled over fifty thousand times. You can't just search somebody's car for no reason. So what gave what what? Why were the police searching the car in the first place? I'd like an answer to that question. Well, I happen to know a police officer and asked this question because I was also curious. I was like, I in. This person doesn't follow college sports. It's like, can you just clue me in a little bit here as a as an officer of the law? And so he leveled and he said, it would just have to be suspicious behavior. Or now that's I am not saying this was the case. It's like, or if they smelled marijuana coming out of the right. car, like this, they could have they could have easily just decided that's how they wanted to search. Right. Or he said, he said, listen, um, could have gotten pulled over. You fl- if this is at night, you flash the light in. Sir, how are we doing? And when you do that, if, and I'm not saying this is where it was, but if, if the gun was in sight in the passenger seat and that's, that's probable cause, you know, just right then and uh, there, you know, do you, the, I've ever told you this story. The one time I got, I think you have, but go ahead. My car searched. I had broken a big story back when I was at the commercial Bill newspaper. I was literally getting death threats. All right. And so my f- roommates as a joke, bought me a little dart gun, like a pistol dart gun. 
and they're like, GP, you got to take this with you. You know, you, you need to be locked and loaded at all times. Your, your life is in danger. And so stupidly, I'm like 23 years old, 24 years old. I've got a pl- toy gun, literally a toy gun shoved in between my car seats in my car seats in the front, like sitting right, right in between my seat. And I just drove around like that. I don't even know why it's stupid. And I got pulled over for a normal traffic violation. They're like license registration. I hand it to them. Next thing I know, the car door is ripped open and they are pulling me out of the car. And I'm like, yo, what, what is going on? And they're like, why do you have that gun right there? And I'm like, what? what? I'm startled. I have no idea what's going on. And, they, and I go, dude, that's a toy gun. That is a toy for a six-year-old. But they reacted as if it were a real gun. And I had it right there. They took me, put me in the back of a cop car. Only time I've ever been in the back of a cop car, believe it or not. Uh, and they searched, they searched my whole car. And I was, and then they, at this point, like I knew I had messed up. You can, you shouldn't have a toy gun sitting there. The cops are going to react to that. That was stupid. It was, that's on me. That's on me. But then they come back to me and they say, okay, we're going to let you go this time. And that's when I got mad. I was like, let me go. What, what, what would be the alternative to letting me go? What did I do wrong? I had a toy in my car. What will be what the alternative you, to letting you go? <laughs> like, what do you mean, let me go? I mean, I didn't mean like, what do you like, let me go? Like, hey, we could have got you on a charge, but we're going to let you go. Like, what, what were you going to charge me with? <laughs> Carrying a toy gun? Like, this wasn't a situation where I had a three year old kid who's was his toy, but it could have been any, either way. When you said they could have looked in the car and saw a gun and reacted accordingly, that, that did happen to me, except it was a toy gun. Unreal. You have shared that on the pod before. Um, Steve Haney is um, Bates' lawyer. Last heard from in these parts on this podcast because he represented uh, the uh, the charge and later pleaded guilty in the FBI case. He was I talked to Steve Haney multiple times in in and around the Manhattan courtroom uh, for the Southern District of New York. He is from Michigan, and so he is he is representing them. Yes, and he did tell. The Associated Press, um, quote, I hope people can reserve judgment and understand there's a presumption of innocence. This was not his vehicle. This was not his gun. We're still gathering facts. I do want to point out and shouts to Dan Wetzel, who actually retweeted this story shortly before we started our podcast. I'm glad we saw it because this actually could become material. And then we'll get to B- Bates' big picture uh, to whether or not Bates is currently suspended from all back right. activity. That is a prompt by um, EMU just... Uh, guidelines. So he's he's currently uh, not able to uh, to engage in basketball activity as a student at EMU. Uh, but in January of 2021, the local county prosecutor uh, announced a change to uh, to local policy. I'm going to read this real quick. This is from MLive.com, uh, a policy that uh, the office will no longer authorize possession of contraband charges that stem from pretext traffic stops. Uh, Eli Savin announced the policy Monday, January 18th, noting that the charges resulting from those traffic stops like drug possession, possession of stolen property, and certain minor weapons possession charges stem from racial profiling. The policy directive specifically states that the prosecutor's office will not file a possession of contraband charge if a search that uncovered the contraband stemmed from an infraction-related stop, which is the case here. Two things, though. One, um, I don't know if the fact that identification marks, a.k.a. the serial number on the gun being scratched off, impacts the status of this case as it pertains to this new statute 
or not, or um, or if if any uh, you know marijuana was involved or not. But I believe marijuana is legal uh, in the state of Michigan, so that should not be in play here. Regardless, uh, there are obviously some questions that have not been answered yet. Um, you know, why was Amani Bates driving his friend's car? Uh, you know, will he get back on the court eventually? It's just unfortunately, and this is this is an unfortunate. Uh, you know, byproduct of this, and you can't control how people think or react to the things that that you do. I guess, but you know, I heard from a few coaches uh, in the past twenty four hours that are like, "Man, Amani Bates is on the fast track to being the next Lenny Cook." Lenny Cook being an infamous example of a once super super highly touted prospect. In fact, once played against high in a high profile grassroots game, played the king. The King, LeBron James, exactly. And those two players obviously took very divergent paths there. Um, but I'm not going to to make anything close to a leap in saying that because Imani Bates had to spend a, a night in jail over, over this incident that his college career is done, the story is done. Uh, it's not a positive development, that's for sure. Um, we don't know if he did or did not know if the gun was in the car. Uh, at all, uh, there are there are undoubtedly factors surrounding this story that have not been made public yet, that have not come to light. But um, I did see. I think this was the Athletic with Dana O'Neill and Brendan Quinn pointed out that if he were to get uh, charged and prosecuted in the case, uh, the EMU student handbook actually would dictate that he would not be eligible to play basketball. So that right. that does stand to, to be something in the future there. But um, all other things on this GP, then it's all yours. I've been told that actually since since getting to to Eastern Michigan, like it's been really really good. It's been more than copacetic. It's been great there. There was a little bit of, I guess, EMU's an Adidas school. Amani's obviously been a Nike athlete forever, so that actually impacted when he could like officially sign them, announcing him being added to the roster. So there was a little bit of stuff with that, but for the most part, like it has been. Uh, a very happy marriage between the Bates family and, and that program. They are from the area. They are literally from Ypsilanti where EMU is based. And, uh, and here we have it. Like you don't want to be caught in this kind of story. No doubt about it. GP, you well know over the past two decades of covering college basketball, that the one month where coaches get a little freaked is this month. Players going back to school. They're not in practices. The off season headlines getting in trouble over something like this has been a thing in college basketball forever. And here's, here's Bates. We wait on more. He will be in court, or at least scheduled to be in court. We'll see what's up with that statute or not um, in the first week of October. I've seen people ask, like, big questions. Like, my first question would be, why did they search the car? Like, what, get, what um, you know, what, what, what was going on with that situation that made them think, uh, sir, we're going to search your car? So that's, that's interesting to me. We don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah. If this is strictly... Because I've seen some people be like, well, why would he be driving somebody else's car? I don't know. Young people do this. Like, you know, I, I don't borrow other people's cars, but I can remember when I was young. And I'm not saying what happened with the money, but I have no idea. But it's not outrageous to me to think of a plausible story where a 19 year old was in somebody else's car. I can remember being at parties. It's like, hey, GP, we're going to run and pick up this. Uh, but I, I, you got me blocked in. Just take my car. You know, I'm not saying that's what happened here, but yes, I, I, I've thrown my keys when yeah. I was younger. Thrown my keys to a million different people, taking other people's keys. Um, I, I, it's not impossible for me, or even difficult for me, to uh, believe a story that hey, Amani just well, he was just he took this car, didn't know what the gun was in it, got pulled over. It's a bad situation. It looks bad. We all agree, but like. He was just borrowing somebody's car. It is nothing more than that. And if that's what this is, then it won't make me 
think any differently of anything and it shouldn't make anybody else. But if that story doesn't hold up, if the prosecutors come back and be like, all right, yeah, it was somebody else's car technically, but he's been driving that car for three weeks, you know, um, or we have reason to believe, oh, you know, his fingerprints are on the gun, you know, like, like if there's anything that comes back bad, then it's bad. Mm-hmm. But if it is a, if it is a, as innocent as the lawyer presented it, then I think this is just a bad headline, but not necessarily the end of anything. But if prosecutors push back on those theories, then you've, you've got real problems if you're Monty Bates, because now suddenly you're a once herald a prospect who was a bomb at Memphis. Now you're back at Eastern Michigan. You haven't measured well. You haven't shown yourself to be a good player in years. And now you've got a, at the very least, some, some really poor decision making, uh, you know, uh, uh, on your Wikipedia page as well. Like that's at some point NBA franchises say, "Eh, I don't want to deal with this." Like he hasn't been good in a while. Got gun charges. Yeah, we'll 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 pass. And enough of them pass, you don't have a job in that league where forever people thought you were were going to end up. Um, ultimately, for Amani, assuming let's just take the lawyer story at face value. If that's the story and this gets pushed away and handled one way or another and he's on the court, um, like we talked about before, I, I if I were advising them, I would not have said go back home to Eastern Michigan. But that's what they did. Um, I, I hope it works out. But it's going to have to really go incredibly well for him to to get back to a place he seemed to be literally just a year ago. Think about this. A year ago today, most people thought Amani Bates was going to be a future top 10 pick. And now I don't know that anybody thinks he's a future top 10 pick. The past year has been terrible for him. And, you know, who knows where this is headed exactly, but it is certainly trending toward a pretty depressing 30 for 30. Yeah, that's where it's trending toward. I would love for us to hop on a podcast in mid-December and say, look at this, man. You seeing, you seeing this? Amani Bates leads you know, leads the Mac in scoring. He's at 24 points a game. Like this was just the reboot, the reset he needed. I would love for that to be uh, a storyline that we, that gets discussed this year that, that actually materializes. Um, but we, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. We'll see if the charges are, if they stick, if they're dropped. If this, if this new statute that uh, was put into place a year and a half ago, plus winds up uh, benefiting him, um, because as it states here in the story from MLive, quote, another condition of the policy that must be met states that the prosecutor's office will not authorize charges if the same search that uncovered the contraband was obtained via the consent of the target of the search and no other independent probable cause such as observed contraband in plain view, i.e., my words here, the gun on the passenger seat if it was there, um, or other yeah, legal... If you, if, you, if you got a gun land on the... Pa- like, if, if that's what happened, if the gun was visible to a police officer from outside the car... You're going to have a hard time saying, I didn't know there was a gun in the car. Right, 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 right. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that. He's scheduled to appear in court uh, in October, uh, early first week of October. We'll, and we'll obviously, you know, 
we'll update this story as it updates the next time uh, it becomes relevant for us to podcast on. But that was that was the other uh, the other big story. One real quick uh, other one here. I just want to note this since we have talked about this on the podcast in the past, and I just happened to be talking to someone about this earlier today. Uh, the Pac-12 commissioner went on a podcast this week. Actually, John Canzano and John Wilner, who both do really good job at covering the Pac-12, which is set to become the Pac-10 here. And George Kliakoff, that commissioner, went on there, um, and he basically said, Pac-10's not going to lose any more members to to realignment. Um, he said, listen, if I think schools would have left for the Big Ten, they would have left already. And then he also said later, I don't feel any sense of urgency at this point You know, regarding uh, conference realignment. He said, no one's going anywhere. We're all in together. We're all focused on this. We... We have runway to do it right as opposed to doing it quickly. That's good news. We have plenty of listeners um, in the mountain and West Coast. And, uh, you know, certainly to say that on the record, uh, you know, you got to figure he would have, I don't know this for sure, GP, but I would figure that Klyavkov saying that has has received some uh, some inspiring words at the very least from the presidents of the universities of, say, Washington and Oregon and maybe Phil Knight, uh, because this will be an all-time Larry Scott-level backfire if this does backfire, uh, given the college football playoff is going to 12 with six automatic bids. It really doesn't behoove those Pac-12 schools unless you are going to stand to make so, so, so much more money uh, to leave, which I'm skeptical of. Um, it's a good thing for college sports and conferences as they are if the Pac-12 doesn't lose any more teams. I actually think it will look to expand. It's just a matter of does the add Gonzaga, any Mountain West schools. But anyway, that came down right before we podcasted. I figured I'd make the uh, the bumpy segue to at least give listeners that heads up because I do think it's relevant because I think one of the biggest speculations in college sports is like, what the hell is the Pac-12 going to be? Where is it going? Well, the commissioner says that uh, that they're set to stay in place and we'll see yeah. if that comes to be. Yeah, I bet you have said the same thing six months ago. Okay, fair enough. All right, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll keep this simple. The only commissioners who actually know how this thing's going to go, Greg Sankey and Kevin Warren. They're the only, I'll listen to them. Both have said they're not looking to expand on the record. So, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, it's semantics. We okay. weren't looking to, but then this opportunity presented itself and suddenly hey. we felt like it was a smart thing to do. Um, if you're the commissioner of the Pac 12, with all due respect, it ain't up to you. What happens? Next. Oh, except it's absolutely not. <laughs> so, so, so no. you don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, it's. Uh, um, I can appreciate the positivity, but I bet you, if you could have talked to him six months ago, he would have said, "We feel like we're in a great place going forward. We've got an incredible football brand like USC, a magnificent basketball brand like UCLA, and we feel like we're headed into the strongest place we've ever been." I bet you that's what he would have said six months ago. You're not wrong about that at all. So, um, yeah, take, th- take that for whatever it's worth. Um, ultimately, Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey, the Big Ten Commissioner and the SEC Commissioner, those are going to be the dudes who decide what, what the Pac-12 looks like. It's up to them. Uh, I, would, I would largely agree with that. You want to get out of here? I, I do want to get out of here. I've had enough. Do it. You know how depressing it is? <laughs> Try to squeeze in 18 holes before a podcast and then just you play golf today. Yeah, of course I play golf. Oh, today. that you uh, to the live watchers. That's all right. I had to do. I did. How about this real quick? We'll get out of here, but I'm, uh, I'm getting back on that, on that bike game. When's the last time you rode a bike? Just like, I want to get out on a bike and go for a ride. When's the last time you did that? Peloton? No outdoors. Para oh, no, wheels. I would, not, I would never do that. People never, die. You've done it. People, people die all the time. Just riding their bike. It's crazy. 
Like people just like they'd be like. He's just, he's like he's, he was going through an intersection. Got you, know, bike trails, you know, bike trails around Mississippi. I'm sure we got bike trails. Bike we trails, got, we, we got all sorts of trails. But like people ride their bikes on the streets. And then I hear all the time. Oh, yeah. You, you hear about Joe? No. What happened? Oh, he was out riding his bike. Got hit by a car. Now he's dead. What? Joe's what? dead. It happens. That's really what happens. This is what's this is not what's stopping you from doing this. Let's, yes, it is. I don't. I, this I, is I have, not what's stopping you from doing this. I have reached a point. Your in my fear life. of being killed while riding a bike is why you don't ride a bike. Well, no. also, I'd rather just like sit down. Yeah, you know. But like, I do. I would not ride. Like, I see people <laughs> riding. I just like sitting down more than I like riding. You a bike. do sit down on a bike most of the time. Yeah, but I like I like sitting down and like kicking my feet up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like time. laying down. That's what I meant to say. All right, I like the I, and the point. I, I see people riding these city bikes in New York, and I'm just like, you. All it takes is one car much. not paying yeah. attention. All it takes is one car not paying yeah. attention. They're going to smack you. I'm just trying not to get smacked on a bike. And yet, do you do you not do you not DoorDash? Do you not Uber Eats? Do you not put these people's lives in danger by by enabling them? I mean, you're giving them a working living, which is good. But if you're yeah. that concerned, I don't know. Well. I think anybody can hit a bike rider, not just an Uber Eats guy. It doesn't have to be a. a oh, but a, I'm saying you're putting one more bike on the street every time you do it. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. but I'm just yeah, but I'm trying to get my Mexican food delivered. Okay, you know? I'm not <laughs> trying to go. To, I'm not trying to go pick up my own food. I also I don't I don't I don't do the uh, I don't do the Peloton, but I do have I do have a stationary bike. But no, I I my next door neighbor was kind enough to let me uh, borrow his bike just to just to see if I wanted to uh, to get a feel for it again. And it, oh yeah, it's invigorating. Have have been loving it, but. Um, who the hell knows how it happened? But uh, one of the tires went flat. So you played golf. I had to go to REI get a little get a little tire repair. So it worked out. Yeah, the, the, the well point is, everything's been a rush since the moment I woke up this morning, and then just go out and shot a 104. You hate it, don't you? It was not a 104, Come but on. it was not good. It was Come definitely on. not a 104, but it was just just a just want to be just want to be good at something, you know? You are good at you are good at many things. I don't like laying down. <laughs> sitting down, kicking your feet up. Yeah, I'm gonna go lay down right now. Actually, I feel like I deserve it before the kids get home. From I'm gonna school. go for a bike ride. I should be back for our podcast. Well, that's that's why you're you and I'm me. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to all the cyclists out there. You know how many people listen? You know what? Find us. In, in fact, as we get out of here. Before GP finishes off this read, if you were ready, if you were ready to be like, ah, uh, GP's going to do shouts, let me delete this podcast, move on. No, couple things. Mm. One, shouts to the cyclists for sure, because I got to imagine plenty of people. Because I want when I hop in this bike right now, I'm going to bring up a podcast or two. Bring up, bring up a little pod, right? Oh yeah, people listen to podcasts while cycling. I know that, but cyclists get killed a lot. That's the other thing. Do you see the murder down in Austin? No. Oh man, that's not Mariah where I was going. Wilson. You're going way dark turn right now. No, Mariah Wilson. She got murdered. She was a gravel cyclist, world class. Okay, that I didn't realize that was no. What I was going to Austin for a race. She got shot twice in the head. All right, it's a well, true story. Sincere thoughts, like sincere thoughts and condolences to her and her loved ones. I did not. I did not see that. Um, it's a sad that, story. What I was going to say was, it's yeah, it's a devastating story, man. Gosh, it's, it's a wild story too. You should, awful. you should, you should read about it. She. She um, went swimming. She had had a little brief romance with a with a guy cyclist, and the guy cyclist's girlfriend um, allegedly was tracking his phone, and he was like, "Hey, I'm going to do something." And he clearly went he went to he went swimming all day with Mariah Wilson. 
and um, then dropped her off at her friend's house where she was staying. Minutes later, she was shot dead, and the guy's girlfriend is charged with the murder. Aye, aye, aye. She, she fled the country. She went to Costa Rica. We had to go find her in Costa Rica, bring her back. Now she's facing murder charges. You're always up on these just outrageous stories. Can't get it. I can tell you everything about that story. Caitlin Armstrong is the alleged murderer. Are you trying to pivot this to a true crime podcast? No, I've already solved it. Caitlin Armstrong, I believe, okay. murdered Mariah Wilson. All right. That's not the official opinion. Amani, of- Amani Bates has a much better chance of getting off mm. than Caitlin Armstrong, if you want me to tie this back to basketball. What I was going to say was, shouts to the cyclists. Yep. If you listen to this podcast while riding your bike, you know, it's stationary or, or traditional. Uh, go ahead and leave a five-star review. Tell us that. Or or we've hit this lull. So the plan here mm. is a little, a little mailbag next week if we don't have any, if we don't have any uh, headlines here. And, and at the advisement of our superiors, if you're listening to this live, the email account is not live yet, but it will be ready by the end of Tuesday. So I understand that there are plenty of people that aren't on social media that listen to the podcast. So if you want to su- supply a question, or I'm told we might be asked to incorporate the occasional, you could be on the Ion College Basketball YouTube channel with a 10-second question on video. If you want to supply an email and say, hey, Norlander and GP, uh, I was thinking... Tell us, more it, about, tell us more about Caitlin Armstrong and what she allegedly well, did. Uh, we'll see if that gets it past the filter, but yeah, sure. Or... Um, Hey, listen, uh, you guys have done this awesome shoot around series, but you didn't touch on my team here. What are your thoughts on this? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll include it and maybe we'll show you. So if you want to email the show, you can in that email address. You ready? Type it down, write it down. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com shouts to CBS at gmail.com. And if it's particularly slow next week, I think we might do a mailbag extravaganza. Send love letters, correspondence, advice. GP will certainly take any kind of video uh, that you want to send in, particularly. um, Well, I'll just leave that unsaid. And so, uh, hey, close out the show, GP. That's all I got. Shot her twice in the head. Gosh, I just I had us. I had us once in the chest. Right back in the lane we needed to be at. It's a rough deal. It's a rough deal. Thoughts and condolences, because that's horrendous. Please subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Five stars, nice review. There's more of a... Honestly, I don't feel like this is the one we should be asking for five stars on. This is not a five-star podcast today. I think it's pretty close. Didn't feel like it to me. That's because you shot a 104. It was not a 104. It was just... Don't I even just, tell me you shot like a 93. There's no, no there's no chance just, you're getting back and, and recording this podcast having shot a 93. Didn't I happen. just woke up and I thought today's going to be the day where I set the course record. <laughs> the course record? My personal course record. Mm. And then it just went bad, right? For the judges. At least I'm a, at least I'm not facing gun charges, you know? Let's look at the positive. At least I'm not facing felony gun charges. Life's not that bad, you know? Could be worse. I could be facing felony gun charges. On that note, we'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.